Welcome to the Helping Children Thrive podcast, where we talk about ways to improve your child's health and recovery. I'm your host, Momina Sili, and I'm a certified pediatric functional medicine health coach. At Helping Children Thrive, it is our aim to educate and empower parents and practitioners with integrative approaches to children's health conditions. Along with this hope that our children can recover, I welcome you all. Hi, everyone. In today's show, we're going to talk about genetic testing and how the science of DNA and epigenetics can help support our optimal health and wellness through targeted individualized recommendations and how we can use that to help our children's health, how to understand what's going on in their bodies and how to support their bodies. On today's show, we're going to talk to Dr. Erica Gray. She is a UCSF trained pharmacist, educator, national speaker, and co-founder and medical chief officer of Toolbox Genomics and My Toolbox Genomics, a digital platform that takes an individual's genetic test results and offers a virtual toolbox of information, user-friendly lifestyle choices, and action plans to live the healthiest life possible. With almost two decades of experience in the world of functional medicine and a decade of experience in genomics and pharmacy, Dr. Gray is dedicated to helping practitioners and individuals understand the intersection of their unique genetics with the environment and how they can positively change their health trajectory. Dr. Gray has very kindly given a discount code that we can use, um, and I'm going to share details of that in the show notes, so make sure to check that out. Hi, Erica. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Momima. It's really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is great. Um, You know, it's one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast was to get this information out there for parents, right? And so to have it in such a way where it makes sense to them. Well, a lot of times we talk about DNA and genes and it just gets everybody so confused about, you know, what it is. It, they just out of overwhelm, stop looking in, in that direction. Um, and so I thought it would be great to bring you in and just, you know, talk about a lot of these things in a way that makes sense and is easy for them to, to interpret and then try to start using that into their own life, right? So, um, you know, I just wanted to start off with something very simple. What are genes and why are they so important to us? <laughs> it's, it's always the best place to start, you know, it's really simple. So the genes are the, the basic um, instructions to who we are, and they are coming from the DNA. So what ends up happening is that, you know, we start with the chromosomes and then within the chromosomes, we have the DNA and within the DNA, we have the genes. And then within the genes, we have the base pairs. And so it's really going from like largest to smallest. And, and you know, when we talk about your genes, um, we're talking about oftentimes families, um, you know, so what will happen is like, let me just take a very common one, like MTHFR. Well, MTHFR is a gene name, but then there's different variations or versions of it. And so like the C677T is one, A1298T is another one, and they all code for different things in our body. And it's expected we're supposed to have these different variants um, and it's what makes us unique. And so just remember that um, when we talk about genes, we're talking about something that's super microscopic in this big sea of chromosomes and in all of our different cells. Yeah. And it's something that just 
makes us who we are, right? No, they're not two of us. And so that's what's so unique to us. Um, that's right. Yeah. And that's right. But in, in addition to that, I feel like what's very interesting about genes is that they don't really operate in and of themselves. They're so, um, you know, our, our environment plays such an important role in the that's way right. they're expressed. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the, you know, there's the old adage that the genes are not your destiny. So I think that's a really important uh, ground setting that we need to do. Um, do know that there are certain chromosome abnormalities or there are certain genetic um, diseases that if you have it, like then that's, that's a very different story like Huntington's where it is passed through family. So that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about instead are more like nutrition snips or detox snips or um, workout and, and um, exercise snips. And let me take a step back because I didn't define what a snip is. Yeah. So a snip is a single nucleotide polymorphism, huge, huge mouthful. But what it is, is that um, when I was talking about our genes and then the base pairs, what happens is that A is supposed to match with T and C matches with G. And the body says, great, if A goes with T on this particular part of our DNA, I'm going to make um, enough vitamin C, for example. But if you have a variant or a change in that base pair, so maybe your A goes with a G, you might make less vitamin C. Now, it's not a guarantee, but that's what we're talking about when we talk about a SNP. And it is absolutely correct. It's what makes us unique. But here's what happens is that we have these genes and they don't work in a vacuum. So what we eat, how we sleep, our microbiome, the toxins, they, ex they kind of exert some pressure. They send signals to our genes and our genes go, great, we're going to make more of this enzyme. We're going to make less of this enzyme, or maybe we're not going to work at all. Um, and that ch those changes are often done through what we call epigenetics. So now we're going to go above the DNA and epi means above. And so the body actually will take methyl groups, which is a carbon and four hydrogens. But in this case, when you're attaching, it's three hydrogens. You attach it to different parts of the DNA and it's going, and then when your DNA gets copied, it sends a signal, copy this, don't copy this, ignore this. And so it's a signaling mechanism and it's a way that your body controls gene expression. So this is where, when we talk about, you can't change your genes, you can change the expression of it. Yeah. You know, that's, I think you explained that so well to kind of give a, a good visual of what that looks like. Right. But what are some of these environmental factors um, that we should be looking for that can affect our genes? And so there's seven of them. Let me see if I can do it from memory. So it's, it's diet, um, circadian rhythm. So if you are a shift worker or working graveyard, that's a great example. Um, microbiome, toxins, exercise, and then in like environment, environmental pollutions uh, or pollutants, I should say. And all of those are sending the signals for your body to try to adapt and optimize you for your environment. So remember, your the body loves homeostasis. It likes to stay really stable and it works super hard to do that. So when we do things to our body, it doesn't want to make a big change. It wants to make a very small change. 
But what will happen is that these different environmental stressors we put on our body, stress, that was the seventh one. Um, (laughs) Then what's going to happen is that we're going to kind of start changing over time and more and more. And so then that's where we can see that change, that big difference over 20 years as an example. Yeah. And, and and we're seeing that more and more with children as well, right? We're seeing a lot of them are, are being born with like a, a higher load or with a lot of stress. And you wonder like, how can a one-year-old have so much stress? But it's really like that environmental load that they're born with that are that is causing their genes to be expressed differently, right? That's right. So let's use the example of the Dutch famine. Um, so what they found in the 19, was it 1944, was that children who were born to mothers who went through a famine had a higher incidence of um, diabetes when they got older, coronary artery disease, um, schizophrenia, because what we, and their children are possibly affected as well. So another example, take BPA, for example. So um, I am drinking my plastic water bottle, water on my plastic water bottle. It's been in the car, the hot sun. And then I get pregnant with a daughter. Well, what ends up happening is that when I'm pregnant with my daughter, her eggs are forming at the same time. So my future grandchildren. So as I drink that water that and BPA gets leached out again, it's just a little bit at a time, but I do it a lot. Now those, my grandchild's eggs where that, where my grandchild's where I come from is also being affected because you're going to get these epigenetic changes that get passed on through what they call germ cell lines. And so this is where it affects future generations. And it's not unique to women. Guys, you are equal on this one um, because we can cause methylation changes with sperm. So the, the difference for guys is their sperm changes turns over every three months, but it's all the more reason if you're thinking about pregnancy or you've, um, you know, that's in, in the future, or you're, you're going to try at this point, don't say, well, I'm going to stop smoking and drinking be while we try. It's too late at that point. It's got to happen six months, a year, a year prior. Well, that's, that's amazing. And I think it gives parents a lot of um, tools to, you know, how to, how to think about a lot of these things. Right. Um, And so your company toolbox genomics, um, it's amazing that you do these DNA, um, these, these gene tests that we do, but it's not in, in isolation. What we do with that is also look at our epigenetics through those tests. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, and, and then how parents can just understand through that testing um, what, what they can learn about themselves and their children? Yes. And, and I will say that it's, you're not too young or too old to do this testing. We did it with my 95 year old grandmother when she was 90 and I've done it with both of my children and I've had lots of practitioners do it with their you know, one and two year olds. So it's very helpful because you will start to understand more, um, just more about yourself, more about your children, why they have the reactions that they do and things like that. So um, Toolbox is for anyone who's a practitioner 
And then my toolbox is for anyone who is interested in ordering it for themselves. They don't have a practitioner. And what you will get, you'll get all your information in an app. So you can order both DNA and epigenetics. And it's really helpful because you're going to get insights, not only about, you know, your, um, your mental health, your, how you handle the diet, the carbohydrates, the fats, um, the nutrients, what types of workouts, your eyes, um, skin, even like skin aging, all of those are just going to be, um, precursors, not precursors, but, um, maybe foreshadowing what could be coming in your life. And then you can put the epigenetics with it where you're going to get a better insight into your aging. So you're going to get um, information about your biological age. So that's how fast you're aging, your eye age, hearing, memory, and then also inflammation. And inflammation is a fascinating one because I've seen a lot of people who are aging much slower because they've been taking really good care of themselves. They have a great supplement and diet protocol but their inflammation is elevated. So that means is that maybe they're eating something they're allergic to, but maybe they don't even realize it. Maybe they have some leaky gut um, and it's causing some low level inflammation that you cannot even measure in a blood test yet. So this is like that, you know, um, people always want to look into the future and epigenetics gives you that little clue. And the beauty of it is with DNA testing, you never retest, right? So once you get your, you sequence your DNA, it doesn't change, but you can retest epigenetics over and over again. So you can see the different changes that you're implementing and see if you've changed where your trajectory is for your aging. And how soon do you see those changes? Three months. Three months is what the the literature shows. Um, I would say it's probably going to depend on um, how elevated those numbers are. If it's just a little bit elevated, you may see those changes more uh, like six months. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Like anyone, like you said, anyone at any age can do that. And it's not that they necessarily have to have a condition or um, or anything that, that's wrong with them per se. You can just do it as, you know, if you're feeling healthy, but just if you want more information about if you're doing everything right or what's in your future. And like you talked about, you know, different SNPs, we don't really know that, right? We think we're eating the best, the cleanest diet, but if we're not absorbing that, if we're not metabolizing a lot of those things, we're going to have problems in the future. That's right. And also remember that. So it's, it's funny. My parents just got their, um, their results and they were going through it. My dad goes, oh, that's really accurate. Oh, that's not accurate. And I said, okay, but this is what could be if you keep doing this, but because you're, you know, you've been really conscientious around this, but this is why I really need you to stay off of the alcohol. This is why you really need to watch your blood sugar because you already have those tendencies with the genes. Um, and another one is, you know, the keto diet is just really, really popular, right. And it's getting a lot of, a lot more traction. And I finally figured this, this part out. So we look at, you know, the role of saturated fat. Um, from a genetic perspective. And it's, you know, I always tell people I'm not anti-fat, you know, it's really important that you have adequate fat, but here's, what's absolutely fascinating is when you get your results and you find that you're someone who is more likely to gain weight with a higher saturated fat diet, 
all it means is you need to cut your, your, your saturated fats more like to a moderate level and really up your protein. So you can still do your keto diet. It's just a different ratio. And, you know, again, I wouldn't have known that information if I hadn't done my genetics and I would just be like, Oh, well, heavy cream is great because you know, it's high in fat and it's, it's satiating. But for someone like me, I end up gaining weight from it. Oh my God, this is so exciting. And it's so, um, it's so useful, right? It's, it's things that we, we kind of always feel like, oh, I'm doing everything right, but it's just not working out. That's right. There's something under the hood that you need to look at that really might be either blocking it or, or just not, you know, allowing you to, to get the, the, the results that you want, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and, And I think it also provides um, people with a lot of um, drive, right? So if you know that you're, you're, you have a propensity to something, you're going to stop yourself from doing that, right? Um, or if you might, you know, if, if you have foods that, that you're allergic to, or that you, like you said, there might be inflammation, you stop yourself ahead of time, rather than reaching that point when it's, it's too late. like out of either too late, or it's just overwhelming, like you're in like the thick of it, and you just, you know, it's, it's affecting our life. Yes. Um, and I will say that I still get people who get their results and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I don't need to make those changes. Oh, it's their <laughs> and, you know, and it's just, um, the end up being in a little bit of a battle with their mind. Um, so I always tell the story about my grandmother who's lactose intolerant genetically, um, And she was really bummed because we said, you need to give up dairy. And she said, well, well, why, why am I the only one in the family who has to give it up? Well, can't someone, you know, doesn't someone else need to give it up? (laughs) And it was really cute. Um, But it was only after I really explained it to her that you all this dairy you were consuming was leading to the runny nose, which is why you kept having chronic sinus infections. Um, but so there is just, I, I want also people to have a moment too, that sometimes the, what our genes tell us is not always what we hope, or it tells a little bit of a different story. And that's not a bad thing because now you've gotten this insight, but just recognize you may have to do a little bit of assimilation and adjusting and incorporate it over time as well. Because some people are like, I, I, that's, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. But then you're fighting against your genetics and it's just making it a lot harder. Now it's a really an uphill battle that you're fighting. And I think that's what I really like about um, your the app that comes with it, that it really gives you an understanding. And so it gives you an, an explanation of the results rather than just saying, okay, here's what it is, make sense of it and yeah. you know, goodbye. But like you literally like write it out for them to kind of understand what it is. So you basically give them a blueprint to go and implement. That's right. That's right. And, and I always tell people just pick three things. Don't do everything. Like there's a lot of recommendations in there and you can tailor it in the app, you know, whether it's endurance or strength or, um, you know, weight loss or longevity, but still like just pick a couple areas and use us as that reference guide. You're going to pull it off the shelf and you're going to revisit it a couple times a year and say, Oh, I wonder if I have that. Um, but don't, don't, this is not designed to be stressful. This is designed to be insightful and just be thoughtful about what is going to be most relevant and what can you change and work on today? That's it. 
Yeah, I love that. You know, just pair it back, just pick a few yes. and, and go with that. Uh, I actually wanted to kind of bring it down to, to, to children or children with like, you know, near developmental disorders. So kids with either autism or ADHD or ODD or, you know, people on the same kind of neurodevelopmental issues. How does this work for them? So it often confirms what the parents suspected. So I, you know, I will get, um, especially on the gluten and the dairy, you, nine times out of 10, they will have a, a genetic sensitivity towards it. Mom is usually like, aha, I knew it. Um, now I can use this to convince the rest of the family or the in-laws or my parents that this is why we need to make those changes. So that's usually hands down right there. Um, then there are the nutrient deficiencies. So it could be the omega-3 deficiency, the vitamin D deficiency, um, selenium, zinc, right? Because their detox pathways aren't working as well. And then you can start moving into a little bit of the behavior part. Um, and this is where I, I just, I absolutely love this part. So on the app, under the mental health part, you look to see if they are a warrior versus a worrier. I don't love the term, yeah. um, but that's just what everyone calls it. And so for the um, worry, the wor worriers, the ones who are always worried, um, they tend to view life more from an anxious perspective. They get overwhelmed easily. So if you have someone who's on the spectrum, and they have the, um, the, it's a slow COMT enzyme. What ends up happening is that when they get stressed, it magnifies it for them. And they might even shut down in a more stressful situation versus the ones who are fast or the warriors. They can change tasks much easier, but they might be more prone to addiction or ADD or ADHD because they're looking for that dopamine input um, much fat, much more so than the slow COMT. And as a parent, if you've got children on the, uh, you know, on either end, um, or one in, you know, one who's an average and one who's a slow, it's very, it's fascinating. So my son is a slow COMT and he, his pain threshold is down here versus mine. And my daughter's is up here. So we really, I always have to work with myself and with the family when he says, Oh, I hit my finger. Oh my gosh. And it's so dramatic that he just feels pain more acutely than somebody else. And it's just, it's hard not to laugh because it feels like he's constantly hurting himself. Yeah. Um, but he just feels it a lot more. And so trying to recognize that as a parent as well and validate it. Um, I would never have known that if I didn't do his genetics. It, it's amazing, right? Because it changes parenting completely. Yeah. You have so much more empathy for what your child is going through because you understand it from their perspective like a lot of times when we don't know these things we're actually like struggling with our children um and i see oh, yeah. that a lot with like a lot of my clients who have kids either on the spectrum or with with neurodevelopmental problems is like they just don't get why the kid is either yes. so anxious or so depressed or on the other side so hyper or can't like get themselves under control or like why there's small tantrums throughout the day, but then they get inflated and blown out of proportion for like little things. Like I didn't let him go through the door first little things, yeah. but it's just, it's just small things. But when you make sense of it like this, you know how to approach it. It just changes how you parent these kids. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and you nailed it. it. You are become a more empathetic parent. And that doesn't mean that you don't set boundaries. That doesn't mean that you still don't hold your children to expectations and expect them to be upstanding, decent human beings. It just means that instead of you struggling and saying, come on, snap out of it. What's wrong with you? You, you can speak to the problem much more so. And so then you get less frustrated, they get less frustrated and you can figure out a better win-win situation. Yeah. And then how can we help them? So now we know that there's a mechanism that's either working slow or working fast, or just is not efficient. How do we work with them with that then? So it depends on the age of the child. So one is going to be, so let's take my son when he was younger. Um, so his thing was, oh my gosh, my head hurts, um, when he was doing math. Well, all it was, he was getting a little bit overwhelmed. It was too much. Um, he didn't understand the concept. So it became more of a stressor for his mind. Um, and actually to this day, if he procrastinates, um, he just shuts down. Like he, he says, I can't do it. I'm, I'm trying. I can't. So then in that situation, you've got to dial them back and say, okay, I just want you to do two problems. And we know that if you try to do this, you know, late at night, it's not going to work for you. So we've got to start it earlier in the day. Um, When they're younger, you don't give them all that backdrop. You just say, okay, can we just do two problems right now? You do those two problems and I'm going to give you a sticker. And that's all I want you to do. Um, or when they're anxious, cause that's the other one, the life, um, can be scarier for them, um, because they need some type of control. So it could be, um, outlining to them. So mommy's going to be leaving at four o'clock. Let's go look at the clock. Let me show you where the four o'clock is, but I'm going to be here for this time. And then after, when I leave at four o'clock, then daddy's going to be here or, you know, whatever it is. They don't want that uncertainty. They need that clarity. Um, But then if you go to the other side, the ones who are faster, you know, before you have them sit down and do anything that's more focused work, get them outside, have them move around because they need to burn off some energy or maybe have them do something creative that's going to give them a dopamine fill. Um, something that they enjoy and then have them sit down and work and tell them, you know, when that timer goes off, you're done. Um, But, you know, I just really need you to stay focused for this length of time. Make sure you're really diligent with your omega threes. Make sure you're mindful of any stimulant type foods. So that's going to be your sugar, your gluten, your dairy. All of those can be really um, can excite you can be hyper excitatory for them. Um, and then also recognize that they tend to be more scattered. So utilizing some type of schedule for them and say, this is how we're going to go through the day is going to be much better for them. Um, so one, the slower ones are, are to decrease anxiety for the fast ones is to cr- stop them from bouncing all over the place as well. And know that the, av- the most of the population is average. So they're in between. So they will fluctuate in between. And sometimes I think um, average can be a little bit more frustrating because like, well, you were fine today. And then today, you know, now you're a little bit off, off the walls. Um, So again, you can utilize these different strategies with your children. um, And especially when you understand, you know, are they slow, fast or um, medium, just 
take a part of it. And, and like, you don't need to do all of these tips I just gave. You just pick one of them, you know, eliminate sugar, no sugar until, you know, their, their academics are done because you know, it's just going to hype them up or it's going to, or um, what the slow ones don't put overload them and tell them a bunch of stuff because you're just going to make them more anxious. Just tell them one thing we're going to focus on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great, right? Cause it just, like I said, it teaches us how to understand them, right? Yeah. We said right in the beginning, everyone is so individual, the way that our DNA works. But when we bring in this whole element of, of our environment, the way that they're expressed, um, we are still going to be very, very different. But it just gives us that window into understanding how all of that's going to work and how we can really help every child where they're at. Yes. Absolutely. Because when we understand our children, it's just a much more harmonious relationship. They feel heard. They feel like we get them and we're happy because they're doing what we ask. And it's much more, uh, as I said, harmonious for for everyone. Yeah. And so so that's kind of like one aspect of looking at it, how we can parent them and how we can help with the overwhelm. How can we help them from like a more like nutritional standpoint? right? If, if we know what their SNPs are like, or if we know how they metabolize, or, you know, if, if the detox pathways are upregulated or downregulated, or however they are, how can we help them in that capacity? So utilizing, of course, you know, different supplements or foods, you know, really nutrient dense foods. Um, I always encourage my moms to get their kiddos started on liver young, because it's just such a great nutrient and it has so many wonderful, um, components to it or cod liver oil. Cause you get vitamin A, D, K, um, plus your omega threes in there and, and starting them younger is going to help you because they develop the taste and it's not as foreign for them, but from the nutrition and the diet and the detox perspective, you, um, it's a little more subtle because, you know, when they're really young, you can't say, well, eat this because it's good for your brain. Um, for a two-year-old, they're not going to get that. A five-year-old's going to get it. Um, but really it's teaching them that why they want to eat these certain foods or why they want to avoid these foods. And, you know, for example, like detox pathways, you don't want to bring that up with a child who's probably under 10, you know, like 11 or 12, we can start talking about, you know, how our liver and we need to support it. Um, And then as they get older, you can start teaching them and showing them their results and saying, this is why I'm having you take the vitamin C. This is why it's really important um, for us to not eat gluten. And then they really get on board and they think it's so cool because, you know, they're special and they've got these superhero powers. and, And so it's just, it's all in how you deliver it. But again, like going back to my earlier point, just pick a couple things to focus on. You know, maybe it's just going to be vitamin D and zinc because your child gets sick all the time um, and you need to get their immune system up. Um, Maybe it's a food allergy. So you're going to just focus on the gluten and the dairy Um, and teaching them that this is something that's going to make their body feel better and it's going to help their brain focus um, and they're going to have more fun in life. And as they get older, like my daughter, you know, I'll show her her results and she's like, ah, I want to take my B12. And then we did some other tests. She goes, oh, I guess I really need the B12. So then it's like, could you give me the B12? (laughs) Yes. 
Um, so it's really neat to actually see kids get actively involved in their own health and see the difference because my children always joke, you know, being the child of a pharmacist, you never know what's in your water or what you're going to be swallowing. <laughs> yeah. Glutathione is the one you'll like, is this as bad as glutathione? Like, no, oh, no. Okay. no. <laughs> so you got um, range. A reference range. Exactly. But like, don't try to get glutathione into your three-year-old. That's just not going to work. Um, and, you know, like focus on the microbiome and in teaching them about feeding the good gut bacteria. I mean, that right there is huge. We've got three to five pounds of bacteria that really want to work with us and make us so much healthier as long as we feed them the right things. Yeah. You know, I, I love that you focus on these young adults that we have so like in their teenagers because a lot of focus tends to be on our younger kids because we're trying to help support whatever that they're going through and try to get them to a point of recovery or you know at the best place that they can be um but we tend to forget about all of our kids that are growing older so after 10 years old where they're becoming more and more emancipated in the way that they think and having more control over their body so i just kind of love that whole idea of giving them that information because really as time will go by they will be eating and drinking whatever they want when they're out of the house right how much control can you have over them um, at all times we can do that when they're five but when Mm -hmm. they're 15 like we kind of lose a lot of that control but it's really about giving them that information so that they can make their best decisions going forward Yes. And, you know, in, in social cities, um, situations for them are tricky because they don't want to go in and say, oh, I'm gluten free. I'm dairy free because they're going to say none of my friends are. How come I'm the only one? Yeah. So, it, yeah. so, you know, just teaching them, hey, I've got these digestive enzymes. I've got these probiotics. If you, you know what the side effects are for you, so I can pack a lunch, I can call ahead, or you can choose to eat whatever they provide. And here are some supplements to help you. It's your choice. Yeah. And that's really important. It's so important for teens because they're testing the boundaries and they want to see, they they want to make their own decisions. They think parents still have redeeming value, but you know, we're a little on the fringe and we don't necessarily know everything of what's yeah. going on with them, <laughs> yeah. even though we do. Um, and it's just really hearing them. They want to be heard. They want the choice. And they also ultimately want to know that you still care about them and that you're, you're there and you're a huge advocate for them. Um, and you're, you'll uh, catch them if they fall. Yeah, I I love that, right? Just giving them that safety net for them to explore while they're still under your wing so that they can understand how to deal with it in social settings. It's hard when you go to school and everyone else is eating something and you're eating something completely different. Um, You know, I I think it's hard for us adults as well when we go and hang out with our friends and we're the only ones who are eating a different meal. So imagine for someone who's 15, it's traumatizing almost, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've told my kids, go ahead and eat it. Like, like see how you feel and then come back and talk to me about it. And, and, and just recognize that if you've given them that permission, they may really go off the deep end and drink a ton of soda and, um, and have the pizza and you've got 
you have some damage control you have to do when they get home, um, you know, do try to pre-treat with the probiotics and some enzymes and, um, you know, make sure that you're, um, you're minimizing the toxins where you can, but then when they get home, you can have a discussion around and don't do it right away. Don't jump down their throat, like give them a few, a couple hours and just say, how did you feel? How did, how does your stomach feel? Check in with yourself. Because ultimately, as you were saying, we're not going to be there. We can't police them. And the best gift we can give is for them to understand how to listen to their own bodies. What does it mean for them genetically and what can they do about it? Yeah. And I think that kind of also ties into having parents then who are educating themselves constantly, right? Yes. We want them to know how to first help their child. Um, and so they need to have that information on hand so that, that then they can able, they're able to give them that safety net when need be. But if yes. they themselves are not going out to explore that, what their possibilities are and what the information is there. And again, like, you know, that's where that information that you give in your app is so helpful, right? You give them a whole set of things like this is what you can do. So it's there at the back of their mind if they want to go and and check that out at a different point in time where they want to go into like a fourth thing that they want to try, they have yeah. that there. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, you know, as parents, if you're always improving and changing and your child says, hey, two years ago, you said we couldn't have this and now we can. We, ha- we had this recently with protein in our household. Um admitting that, yeah, you know, science changes and we learn something new. And and I've come to realize that this is better for you. Just, you know, having some humility in this is super, super important, especially with your teens, because they want to know you're human. They want to come to realize you're not super mom and super dad. (laughs) Um, And they want to see that you also can um, admit your mistakes or just say, yeah, you know, we're, we're adjusting this or even utilizing the app and saying, yes, you know, we only focused on this, but now we're going to do more here, you know, especially as they get into teen years and they want to start lifting or they want to get into more competitive or collegiate sports. Now is a great time for you to go back to the app and say, okay, let's look at your recovery. Let's look at VO2 max, um, soft tissue inflammation, because you're now working out six days a week and we need to protect you so you can play sports for a long time to come. Yeah. You know, I love that because it's, it's not just at one point in time, you've got reference ranges from like, if they're a year old till they're 18, That's and right. right? Like you can just, it, there's so much that they can pull from that. Um, and then I think another thing that that ties into a, all of this is the fact that you're almost giving them, like I said before, like a blueprint to go off from, right? It's just, right. it's so empowering. Um, and, it, and it has such a positive effect on their health constantly. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. just those things, when you say, you know, if we want to implement those three things, it can be that their health is improving as a result of those things, which might allow them to bring in a few of the things that we might've before said that, you know, listen, yeah. like there's no gluten, no dairy. You do that for a couple of years, but then you see that you've actually healed their gut. There's no more leaky gut. Yes. You can maybe allow them to eat that every now and then. I mean, they probably won't be able to eat a pizza every single day, but they can have it on, on occasion and be okay with it. Right. And yeah. so again, allowing that conversation to go on to say, that, you know, our situation was very different before, but here it is now. And this is what your body is telling you. This is how you go from here. 
Yes, absolutely. And get your children involved, like in their lab work too. I mean, my children love seeing their results and understanding it. And my son was having knee pain and we suspected that it might be elevated uric acid because he was just eating way too much fruit. And so he saw his results. I was like, wow, yes, it's elevated. Um, so he just, he cut out the fruit on his own because he wanted to be able to play soccer and he didn't want the pain in his knees. So it was really, you know, getting them involved as much as possible. was really helpful too. Yeah. I think you've, today you've helped me redesign the way that I'm thinking of all of this. It's not just (laughs) empowering parents. It's empowering our kids as well. Like we're empowering our teens to take control of their health, right? They're literally, It's not just about one point in time, but slowly teaching them all of those skills, getting them involved constantly. So, you know, I really thank you for that because it's like, for me, it's like a brain changer. I'm like, okay, this is completely different. Um, Oh, I'm so glad. It's not just one person or like the parents only, but it's the whole family and and everyone can take from it whichever way they want, but it's so empowering. It is. And, And just understanding that, you know, it's, this is unique to you too. And, you know, I, I get a lot of people like, oh man, I have the MTHFR gene. Like, no, think about it as these are superpowers. Like these are gifts that you have been given, but it's up to you to really turn it into that gift in the world and do something with it. Yeah. And another question that always comes up and whenever I, I work with clients, they're always like, I think they always have this hesitation of doing too many tests. A yeah. lot of times they're not covered by insurance. And then they always have this issue of like, where do I start and which one should I do first? Right. How do you take that? Like, what, what would you tell a family that is dealing with some issues? Where should they look first? So I, you know, I'm biased. I'll, I'll yeah. say it right over <laughs> Because the genetics has been so insightful. Um, So I would say you start with the genetics and then do the epigenetics. But, you know, maybe for a young, young child, now's not the time to do the epigenetics. You might make more sense for a teen. Um, So maybe you're only going to do the DNA. And then based on the results and based on what's going on with your child in conversation with a practitioner, then maybe you're going to do some follow-up lab testing. But like if it's a really young child, you've got to minimize you know, how many um, uh, blood tests you're going to do. So maybe it's a stool test. Um, and then, you know, now when they're six or seven, um, you know, maybe you want to check a homocysteine because we know homocysteine can be really inflammatory in autistic children. They have a lot mm-hmm. of inflammatory markers. So taking a look at that. And again, at a six-year-old, you could show them their lab results and say, honey, see, this is why we're not eating dairy. This is why we're not eating sweets anymore. Because you see this number, like your number is 14. We really want to get it to be 10. So we're going to work together and get that number down. And so now they're like, oh, okay, well, this is, is this going to help my body get to 10? And so they're, then they're really motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say it's, you know, again, it's individual, um, the genetics, you're always going to get more information from it. It, it doesn't matter. I re, every month I learn something new. And so I go, oh, I better go back and double check that. Um, or, or I have a, a moment of reckoning, like I explained earlier, like the heavy cream is just not going to work for me yeah. <laughs> as much as I wanted it to. Um, so just right. But don't go over, to, over the top 
up. I mean, if you have the finances and you have someone working with you, then of course, the more information, the better. Um, but then the really the question is how much can you implement? What's your bandwidth? And if you know you can only do a couple things, then maybe only do genetics or maybe only do um, like a homocysteine and an insulin and a CMP. Yeah. Yeah. It, it helps to kind of have that sense of, you know, how many options you have out there. But again, what I just love about the approach that you just said was it's so individual, right? And that's what I love about integrative health. It's so bio-individual. We're looking at everyone at where they are. We're not comparing two twins together. We're that's saying right. we're two different people and they will have their own expression of the way that their body works. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why going into the DNA where we might think that it's going to be identical, but when it comes, it's not, it's, it's not so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so it helps parents know how to work with each of them. There's this massive misconception that with twins, you do exactly the same thing and they're going to have the same answers, but that's really not the case. It's not, it's not. And I think it's so difficult as parents for us to say, well, but that worked for child number one. Why isn't it working for child number two? Well, it worked for my niece. It did why it worked for the neighbor. Um, and I think we compare to try to focus and ground ourselves, but I think we sometimes do more harm than good. And just, we've got to recognize that, you know, now let's, let's really focus on you as an individual. And, and you're right. That's where integrative and functional medicine is. That's a strong suit. We don't um, prescribe or do things with guidelines. We do things individually. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, before we go, where can people access these tests? Where can they come to you for them? So in the show notes, um, we're going to have a special link so you can get 7% off of the tests and we do ship worldwide, but we don't have all the countries accessible yet. So if you don't find us on the app, um, definitely send us an email. Um, That's info at mytoolboxgenomics.com. You can place your orders at mytoolboxgenomics.com. It's going to be all written out for you. Um, I also do live streams twice a month and just to teach people, give them more insights. So definitely sign up for that. You can find that on the website as well. Um, And do follow us, Instagram, Facebook, um, at my toolbox genomics, or you can also follow me personally at the gene whisperer. And that's with an ER at the end. And, you know, let us know if you have questions and I'm happy to, to help and support because I just think it's, it's really valuable and you can um, change the trajectory of your health and your children's health as well. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with that. And I think one other thing I wanted to add was how easy the test is. So it's not yes. very overwhelming. There's no blood draw. There's no stool samples to connect. It's just a simple spit and swab, right? It's just a spit. <clears throat> and so I wish you, yeah, unfortunately for the epigenetics, you need more DNA. Um, so you can't do the cheek swab. So it is a, it is a spit. Um, and, and I did want to say we protect pre- people's privacy all the way through. We don't do anything with your data. It just goes into a secure a de-identified black box. Um, everything is just done through your numbers. So you don't need to worry that behind the scenes, we have a deal with pharma. I promise you we're not, (laughs) Um, we don't do anything with the data. So it's everything is protected. Yeah, this is so reassuring. And, you know, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time with us, because I feel like 
parents have another window into finding a way to help their children, right? Oh. Empowering everybody, the whole family. It's just a lifestyle change and a mindset change for everybody. So thank you so much for this. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for listening to this podcast and spending your precious time with us at Helping Children Thrive. If you find this podcast helpful, please share it with your family, friends, and others who may benefit. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast on the review section of Apple Podcasts. This will help other parents, caregivers, and professionals find the show more easily. Visit momenasaleemcoaching.com to post comments on today's show or ask any questions about upcoming episodes. And sign up to receive weekly updates. Helping Children Thrive is not a substitute for working with a qualified healthcare professional. The information shared here is not intended to diagnose and treat your child. Before implementing anything discussed here on the podcast, make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner. See you all next week.